Elizabeth Chapel, a lifelong entrepreneur who finally found my niche. After years of new ideas and jumping from business to business, I figured out how to turn a craft into a successful career. In 2016, I started a monthly subscription box for quilters. That little startup has grown into a thriving, multiple six-figure business that I am so proud of. As a published author, designer of fabrics and patterns being sold throughout the world, my favorite thing to do is to teach others how to grow a career of their dreams. Each week you'll hear from me or from other guests who are creative entrepreneurs, so you can learn exactly what to do and what not to do to grow a career that's more rewarding and successful than you ever thought possible. If you're ready to turn your craft into a career that you love, I am so excited you're here. Welcome to the Craft to Career podcast. Welcome to the Craft to Career podcast. This week, I have a friend who is also a published author, published author times three, and she is here to talk about how she has gotten these book deals what that's looked like for her business, and how she's grown her quilty career. Now, this can be applied across all different, you know, whether you're a quilter or a crafter, the tips you're going to learn from my friend today uh, cross the, the quilting borders. They can go into all different areas of being an entrepreneur. And I cannot wait to introduce you to Wendy, uh, the weekend quilter. First, I'm going to read a review But before we jump in and you meet Wendy, I want to share something really exciting that I just found out about. I just found out that the Craft to Career podcast is the top 1% of podcasts globally. Uh, That blew my mind. And that is thanks to, in large part, to those of you who left a review for the podcast and to those who come and listen to the podcast each week. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And if you have not left a rating or a review of the podcast, please take just a moment to go and do that. It makes the world of difference for this podcast, for being able to be around, being able to be seen by others. And if you have found this podcast by someone sharing the podcast with you, if you can pay it forward by telling another fellow entrepreneur about the podcast, letting them know about this so that they can get tips and grow their crafty career just like you have. So let's go ahead and read a review. This comes from JCT Quilting. They wrote a top-notch podcast. I look forward to Elizabeth's new episode every week. They are so informational and well done, and the guests are phenomenal. I really appreciate the latest episode where Elizabeth was vulnerable and shared her thoughts behind shifting her business focus going forward. The insights she shared are invaluable. You can tell she truly cares about her audience and about helping them successfully grow their business. So thank you so much for this review. And honestly, because of these kinds of reviews that I know that you guys like to hear behind the scenes, the vulnerable, like what's happening right now? What are the thoughts that are going through my mind? What changes am I making in real time? So I'll continue to do that. Thank you again for this review. And now let's jump in and let me introduce you to Wendy of The Weekend Quilter. Wendy, thank you so much for being here on the Craft Your Career podcast. For our listeners, can you introduce who you are in the quilting world? 
Sure. Thank you so much again for having me on the podcast. Um, anyway, so my name is Wendy Chow. Uh, you might also know me as the Weekend Quilter. Um, I design and write quilt patterns. Um, I'm also the author of three books. Um, you may have heard of Urban Quilting, The Quilted Home Handbook, as well as my new title, which you might not be familiar with just yet. It's called First Words with Quilt. Quilted Friends, and I also co-host a podcast called Quilt Buzz. And yeah, I did I tell you where I was based? I don't think I have no. actually. Um, so you can probably hear it in my voice right now. I am originally from Perth, Australia, which is on the west coast, um, and I'm based in New York City. So yeah, that okay. So much to unpack here, and I have this curious brain, so I want to know everything. How did you end up in New York from Australia? <laughs> yeah, let's start from there. So um, I met, so let me just go back. Let's go back in time. I'm trying to remember. I think this was probably about 20, 2014. I think I'm pretty sure 2014. Anyway, um, I came to New York or to the US actually for a summer program um, as part of my like master's in marketing program. And uh, one of the pit stops were actually New York City. And I've never been to the US before. And this was kind of like my big first solo trip as well. Um, and so I told my aunt about it. And she's like, oh, I know someone that lives there. Um, so it actually turns out to be her, one of her really good friend's son. And that's my husband <laughs> now. No and um, yeah, so she introduced me to him. She's like, oh, look, you know, uh, at least there's a contact there. And if anything happens or goes wrong, um, you could reach out to him and whatnot. So we, we met actually on the final night that I was in New York City. And uh, we hit it off. Um, actually, I didn't really want to meet him in the first place. I thought it would be like an older guy. It would be really boring. But um, we it turned out to this guy's really cool. But I was like, nah, this is too crazy. Like doing long distance with like a guy in New York City. Like that's too far-fetched. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, we kept in touch for like nearly every day for six months. Um, and then there was something I really wanted from the US, but they didn't ship to Australia. So then I asked him to do me a solid. And then when I opened the app, the package, there was air tickets to go see him again, but in Singapore. Um, and then I met uh, and the rest was history. So we did long distance for four years. And then I relocated um, to the US, got married first and then relocated. And here I am. And it's been nearly five years since all of this, or we, since we've been married. So yeah. But this is the long story. Yeah, no, I really like <laughs> the long-winded long version. So, yeah. And now I've got to know what was the solid, what was the thing you wanted that he shipped to you? <sighs> okay. So there were like a pair of shoes from Saks and then they were like horseshoe head. But I think like, because it was, I know this sounds really wrong. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> they're like shoes like that have like that are made of horseshoe hair on the outside. And then um, I think because the Australian customs or something about Australia, they didn't want that to be coming in. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so I just got asked Brian to help me out and yeah. Nice. <laughs> and he sent you some tickets to Singapore along the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was kind of scary because if you think about it, like I'm meeting a, like a guy that I've only met once True. again in person and I'm going overseas as well. But at least Singapore is a really safe place. And it was like a, a, only a five minute, a, not five minute, five hour plane ride from Perth. So it's and just aunt... as far as flying to Sydney from Perth. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. didn't realize 
I've not been to Australia. I didn't realize how, you know, yeah. big it is. It, it's, it's, it's huge. Like I think a lot of the times people, yeah, a lot of the time, actually a lot of the times people forget how big Australia is. It's kind of like relative to like flying from like New York to LA. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, I've read Leanne Moriarty's <laughs> books and she'll, they'll talk about like the West coast, the East coast, the different, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I can't yeah. get my head around it, but <laughs> very cool. So, and then, okay. You were studying business marketing and that's what brought you to New York. Yeah, that's right. And it was through like an Australian university that I did that, um, program, which like a study abroad program, which was really cool. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but now you're, I think, I think quilting is your main career. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's kind of really strange how I fell into quilting as my career really. Um, and again, it just comes back to me relocating to the U S. Um, so actually in the, before I moved to the U S I actually worked in a marketing research and consulting agency for seven years. Mm. Um, so it's quite a long time. And obviously I had to quit my job coming to the US, uh, which I did. And then the first year of um, being in the US, I was actually fun employed. Uh, it was kind of really, really a big adjustment actually the first couple of months because I'm so used to working long hours and it it was pretty bad, I guess. It was a pretty unhealthy workplace, but um, I was working like through the late hours, early hours, as well as throughout the weekends as well. So it was pretty bad. Um, but yeah, so the first year I couldn't work because I was waiting for my work permit to be approved. So um, I really just spent that time focusing on the weekend quilter, which I had started that um, way well before I moved over. So I started back in 2017 and it was really just a platform for me to, um, what's it called? Um, to, you know, by, you know, making connections and networking through there and having to be consistent and actually like sharing what you're working on. That actually really held me accountable to live more of a balanced work life. Um, because like I said, like the hours I worked in my corporate life was pretty bad. <laughs> I've, I've thought about this recently. What has happened in our world that we've become so obsessed with working hard and long hours? And it's like a badge of honor a little bit of like, I'm yeah. successful. Like, what if we just relaxed and went out to the beach? You know, what if that was success? I don't know. Yeah, I'm about yeah. I know. I think there's just some sort of guilt for not being productive. Yeah. Is is probably the reason why. And I kind of felt like that too. And it's like, yeah, I'm pulling out those long hours. But you know, you burn out so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of did feel like that, honestly, like in the first couple of years um of being like, you know, turning the weekend quilter into full time, especially when things did get a little bit more serious where like, you know, you do it, you get paid opportunities. I'm writing a book and it's like, okay, like you got to get this done, but also trying to balance what you're trying to uh, bring out as well on your own, con on your own page, mm -hmm. because you, a lot of the times when you are collaborating with these other brands or you're working on a book, you actually can't share any of that immediately either. So it's, it's a lot of work that yeah. I definitely have learned to kind of slow down and actually um, take some time off because that's, you know, that's the benefit of working for yourself, right? You can take as much time off um, that you want and you have more flexibility as well. Absolutely. I'm curious <laughs> what it was that 
how did it start? When were you like, oh my goodness, this could actually become a career? Like what was that chain of events? How did that happen? Yeah. So I didn't really have that, you know, like aha moment, like, oh my God, I can really turn this into a business. Um, The opportunity actually really presented itself. I think it was just right time, right place. I, and I was just kind of surprised, like, really? Like, you you want to do this with me? All right, <laughs> sure. Um, so this was, um, so I actually got, and again, I think we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but I'm just kind of like, you're, you're like, we're, we are jumping the gun right yeah. now. <laughs> anyway, um, so actually end of 2019, or maybe like September 2019, actually, um, a publishing house reached out to me, which is my current publisher. And they're saying like, hey, like, would you like to write a quilting book? And at the time, I only had 5,000 followers on Instagram. And in mm. my mind, I was like, what the heck? Like, for real? Like, really? Do you want to work with me? Like, I only have 5,000 followers. Like, okay, sure. And then obviously, there was like a lot of back and forth for trying to negotiate the contracts and everything. And at the time, I was like, oh, God, like, oh, well, I don't have a work permit yet. And oh. I had done a ton of other interviews as well in, you know, wanted to work for like Etsy and then like marketing research team or like mm. a bunch of other like big corporate jobs or corporate like companies as a like analysts or marketing research uh, person. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of them actually told me like, no, we can't proceed with the next round of interviews because you don't have a work permit. And at the time, like, you know, like everything was just up in the air in terms of trying to like wait for visas and work permits. Like it's, it's such a long process. Um, and like even more recently, I know I'm going a little off tangent, but like it took me like 18 months to get my like 10 year green card extension as well. So wow. like, it's just, it's just insane. Um, but anyway, coming back to your question, I actually then signed my book deal officially with my publisher like three days after I got my work permit. Um, so I never really had the opportunity to really think about like, can I make this into a reality or not? Um, because, you know, if you think about it, like, you know, I can't write a book plus work a full-time corporate job. And like, if I think back, like the hours that were being like, they were really crap. Like, yeah, like there is no way I could do it. I'll be... I'll be like up 24 seven. Literally. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm very mm. curious when you decided to take the book contract, was there a conversation of like, am I going to do this or should I take this other career? I guess you didn't have the options because of the visa. Um, yeah, I didn't really have the options. And I think like my, my husband, he was really supportive and I was like, do you think I should do this? Like, and he's like, just do it. Like, you're not going to have this opportunity again. Mm-hmm. And like the bragging rights to be like, Hey, I wrote a book. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. I am so curious. Have you talked with your publisher? Why did they reach out to you? Everyone, you know, everyone listening, myself included is like, wait, what? How did they find you? I like, know. <laughs> Um, I did ask them, I can't really remember the reason why, but they were like, I think they just kind of took a gamble at me and yeah, that was, that was really it. Yeah. So they've got a good team out scouting, looking for people that they did a good job. Yeah. Now, okay. If this wasn't including you, you'll be like, no, thanks Elizabeth for bringing that up. But there was like years ago in Martha Stewart magazine, like quilters oh to be aware of. And I swear you were on that list. Am I right? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay. I think it was like the 
like 50 or like 25 quilters to be aware of. I, I can't like, that was, my God, that was like 2021, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which seems like yesterday to me. I don't know what that says about yeah. me. <laughs> well, I, I remember that list coming out and I was like, well, but it, they were right. They weren't wrong. Like you were on there. Emily Dennis is on there. It was a great list. I was like, Damn, yeah, it was a really cool. good list. I, I was surprised. Like, I, I can't remember who tagged me in it on uh, Instagram. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Martha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, okay. Well, now let's, I would love to chat specifically about being published and clearly it went well because they kept like, let's do another book. Let's Mm -hmm. do another book. And I have to say, I went to London. I don't even know, 2022. Um, and I walked in a big department store and I looked in the book section and your book was there. I was no like, way. Oh. oh my God, you should have taken a photo of it. I think oh I my God. I, have to I would look. have died. I have okay. to look. I think I may have. All right. Yeah. Oh my God. That's awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> so uh, what, okay. Things I want to discuss. What are the pros and cons? Now, granted, you've never self-published. I don't think, mm-hmm. right? No, I have never self-published at all. No. So if someone, well, here I am, let's just pretend someone's asking you because they are, but if someone were to ask you, (laughs) would you want to go with a publisher or self-publish, like in your perspective, what are the pros and cons? Okay. So I've, I would personally go with going, I think maybe I might have a biased perspective only just because I've, my only experience has been with a publisher, but I think I would like, no matter what, I think I would go back to a publisher only just because, um, you know, they have the resources to do the marketing for you. They do the distribution for you. And I guess it also just depends on which um, which publishing house you're working with as well. So the one that I'm working with, um, they are a sister company. They're a smaller company within the Penguin Random House Um company which i'm sure many of you guys have heard before and um with that association you kind of have like um best of both best best of both worlds you have like kind of like boutique kind of you can kind of sort of say like boutique agency like where you um get immediate responses responses where or like you can get things moving along quicker whereas if you worked in a larger company um you may have to go through uh through a few various teams or people maybe like through legal or um I don't know, someone else that manages whatever you're trying to do. Um, but anyway, having a publishing house behind you really helps out a lot in terms of um, marketing the book. They always have, they have great ideas as well, as well as, um, yeah, just the support in making sure it goes out to the correct retailers. Um, so yeah, that's really it. And that really just takes off a lot of pressure off of you. And especially if you're a new author as well and you don't really know how that process works. Um, that is a huge help. And really, if you like the only sort of distribution that I do is just whatever the books that are sold online in my store. So like if like any of the books that are on Amazon or like from any of your big box retailers, like I don't need to worry about that or managing wholesale to smaller businesses either. Like I, I don't need to lift a finger. Yep. And like this shop in London, they've done that work for you. They got this book out, you know? So (laughs) yeah, like I did not have to do anything. I didn't have to ship or mail anything to them. I did not have to liaise with them because they um, can liaise with the publishing house um, in getting all that sorted. Yeah. 
and so it helps out a lot. It's nice too. You don't have to take the financial gamble up front. You don't have to buy the books, store the books, print on demand, none of that. Like they just do it all mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what doors have opened for you since publishing your first book? And has it snowballed and grown bigger and bigger since you've published more books? Um, I mean, it really has built up my legitimacy and brand recognition, which um, it's helped out a lot in, you know, presenting um, many other brand partnerships. I can't exactly attribute it to the book per se, but like, I do believe that there is some influence behind that for sure. Um, And then, you know, it's also allowed me to kind of step out of my comfort zone in terms of teaching. And that's kind of been sort of my focus this year as well. Um, and I think because by having a book, they're like, oh, well, Wendy, you're knowledgeable in this area. Um, you know, we believe that you would be able to teach. So it's just things like that, or like even just to be able to speak at uh, local guilds as well, um, do some show and tell. So th- those sort of things. So, yeah. Yeah. And you just got back from Austin. That's right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why, how I am still right now but I am yes I, I just got back from Austin uh we went to the annual uh brother dealer conference so the brother experience event and um yeah it was a lot of fun um just meeting all the different dealers and be able to share um you know the new products that brother has coming out so it's very exciting yeah for sure and getting to hang out with all the other brand ambassadors okay so you're a brand ambassador that's like the official title of what you yeah, do with brother that's right yeah. Mm-hmm. And when did that happen that you became I that? Think, yeah, probably about two years ago. Yeah. So after your first book was published? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. After the first book. Yeah. So, okay. I have your first two books and I, they're beautifully done. I have to say. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the quality of the book, everything about it. So how long did it take you to make each book? Yeah. So the process was probably about 18 months from signing the dotted line to actually having a book in hand and then starting to have it distributed into bookstores um, and libraries with that kind of thing to consumers. (laughs) That's the word. Yeah. Impressive. Impressive. Did you, where did you write? Did you write in a Word document in Adobe? Like how, what did that process look like? Yeah. So I, um, so I, I, let's rewind a little bit. So I started all the designs on pre-quilt, which is a quilting design app. It's a web-based, uh, design app. Uh, you might be familiar from your like pattern writing course, or I'm sure many other people have been playing around with the digital coloring pages and stuff. Uh, but yes, my design started there and then I would, uh, write them in, I'd write the individual patterns as separate documents so it's easier to keep track of because eventually like it would be, I think we ended up on like 400, 500 like pages, maybe even more on on the second book. I can't remember. Anyway, so (laughs) going off track a little bit. Um, But yeah, I wrote the patterns on Word document because it was just easier for us to track, uh, do the track changes. Mm -hmm. so yeah, we did that and then um, it gets edited and like, you know, reviewed a lot. Uh, we have the tech editors as well as a few number of like editors. Like, so there's 
probably like three or four people have looked at it multiple times. Mm -hmm. And then um, once we've got the copy down and that's when we then um, lay out all the pages on like InDesign, which I don't do that. And again, that's another benefit of having a publisher is like they do have a designer and then you just work together. Obviously, um, before that, you kind of provide them a bit of a vision on what uh, you'd like and you know they'll do a sort of like a draft version of what one pattern would look like and then if you're happy with that then we'll move on and then we'll duplicate and follow that format going forward and uh, we also oh we also before that happens we have to do the photography as well uh, which takes quite a bit of time um, so for the two books I think we did probably we definitely did at least three or four sessions for the whole book. Um, and it was obviously you'd had to photograph them, you know, style it, photograph it to make it look realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, just so that it helps the person visualize it. Like, Hey, like, can I have this at home or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you um, say sessions, do you mean like you hired a photographer and you go to a studio or like what? what yeah. So yeah, so the first book was really interesting. Um, it was a very interesting time in the world, and that was during COVID. Um, so I did all the writing in, in my bedroom. It was really weird, but yeah, I did it in my bedroom because we were a, we're in the midst of renovating our home, mm-hmm. and uh, the only place in the home was that was done up was the bedroom. So um, I was doing all the writing there, and then um, we did one session of um, photography at my friend's apartment. And then afterward, the city went into shutdown. So the New York City went into shutdown, I think, March 15 or 16, 2020. And then we did the shoot on March 13. Like I, I clearly remember that day. Mm-hmm. It was just such a weird day in the city. Um, and yeah, and from there on, we're just kind of like, okay, well, we'll just wait. We'll just check in with each other like every other week. And then it became every month to see when when we can meet again. But obviously the city wasn't open up again. Like it took like four to five months. Um, but yeah, like a session would be, oh, and then the first books, all the photography after that was all done in my apartment. That was like kind of half done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like the cover of the first book was actually my bedroom. Oh, oh our really? bedroom. Um, yeah. So it, it was just kind of a re- really weird, strange time. Uh, and then with the second book, um, obviously, I mean, COVID was still around. Um, there was like different variants. Um, so we still had to be really careful with that. Um, but it was great because I was able to go out and not have to fo- like photograph in my home. <laughs> and at then I discovered this website called a peer space, which is very similar to like, I guess you could call it like the Airbnb for photography and uh, videography. So people rent out their homes or maybe a studio space where you can actually do, um, you know, product photography or shoots, whatnot. Um, So we picked out three different homes out in Brooklyn and we just logged all the stuff out there. And it was kind of crazy as well, um, thinking back because, um, what was it? A lot of the homes there, they were all walk-ups. So we had to like lug two giant suitcases of just stuff <laughs> on like a four, four-story four walk-up. It was kind of bananas. What's but a walk-up? I don't know what that is. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So a walk up is like a, an apartment building or a building that does not have an elevator because a lot of the homes in the city, like they're old, right? Like yeah. these, these buildings, like the building that I live in is like at least a hundred years old. It used to be a garment factory. Oh, cool. So like, yeah, I know now it's just, it's a quilt factory now. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like we, they just, there were no elevators. So, um, you, you just have to take the stairs with all those suits. Okay. I have a, a new, uh, appreciation for all that went into <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So like, if you're looking for an apartment to live in or maybe like an Airbnb, even though like kind of like illegal in the city, but, um, what, whatever, that's another topic that We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, it's another, hot, another <laughs> yeah. hot topic. Another, it's like another New York problem. Yes. But, um, yeah, like you just need to be aware of that. Um, make sure that the building is not a walk up. Like, you know, you might have a great price, but then when you rock up there, you're like, oh my God, I have to walk up all these stairs. <laughs> 20 stories. All right. I guess it's a workout, um, but if you can, I mean, I, I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. Like, usually it's up to like a five uh, five story, like walk up. Like mm-hmm. a, um, But I recently heard someone told me that they live on a seven floor walk up and they have, I met some lady with her Corgi and she's like, oh yeah, like the Corgi kind of like stops after like the third or fourth floor. But yeah. Anyway, I'm going so off tangent. I'm going to indulge in that. So you have a Corgi and actually we like went to dinner years ago in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was like a Houston 2021 at like yeah. Festival. yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. I'm like, when and why? But we hadn't had a dog yet. And I was asking you, and you literally like made me go across the whatever the the decision point, And we got a dog after yeah, chatting yeah. with you. And you were my go to. Like, thank you. I would be like, okay, what should I get? Where should I get the clothes? You know? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have an Instagram for your dog, right? I do. Yeah. She's detective.truffle. All right. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of a fun little tidbit. So, okay. Yeah. Back to the books. I'm very curious about your third book because it's your first yeah. two are more traditional, like what you would think mm-hmm. of. Can you tell us about the third one? Yeah, so the uh, I'll be releasing my third title, which is called First Words with Cute Quilted Friends, and the pub date for that is September 22nd. It's a completely different concept uh, in comparison to the first two titles, like you mentioned earlier. Um, so the book is a hardboard first words book, and it's geared towards parents and grandparents who appreciate the art of quilting, or simply a parent or grandparents that are looking for a site that's unique and engaging uh, first word book for their child or grandchild or maybe it's for a friend um so all the illustrations are by me and i use foundation paper piecing a quilting technique um to form them and yeah the the book makes a wonderful addition for quilters that you know if you're making a baby quilt uh for your friend or a loved one um you know that that's a perfect addition to your gift that is so cute i cannot wait to see it so how did this idea come about yeah, so it's very different like we we like I mentioned. Um so the publisher um it was actually inspired by the publisher's daughter and he, oh like yes, but let me start again. <laughs> so the idea is actually quite different. So the it actually came about from the publisher's daughter. So it was inspired by her and um she they were at the time working on a crochet book on like 
I can never say it, but I think it's Aragumi, the like crochet stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. So um, she was going through those books. I think they were editing it at the time and she was like pointing at the animals and like that, that kind of then like kind of snowballed into the first words with um, Crochet Friends, which is done by Lauren Espy. Yeah, so she did the first words book first and then afterward their publisher approached me and asked like hey do you want to do a quilted version of it and I was like yeah sure let's do it so uh, the time frame for that was shorter than the previous two books I think this this took me just under one year Hmm. and it was a big learning curve for me because um, like I've done foundation paper piecing before but like really intricate foundation paper piecing designs. Like, no, I haven't done that. And I don't know how to use Illustrator. Oh. I originally wanted to do it on PowerPoint. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I've got this. Like, you know, all the lines will click into place. Uh, but then I eventually caved in. And I was like, okay, I really need a Illustrator because I can't get those angles, like those precise angles right. Um, so yeah, I, I just ended up kind of figuring it out myself and then it all worked out. Thank God. Cause it would be pretty bad if I signed the contract and like, sorry guys, <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> um, but it worked out. It's been really good because I've now been able to integrate, um, illustrate it into my, uh, day-to-day, um, pattern writing as well. Cause before I was doing Photoshop and, uh, PowerPoint and I'm going to be admit it. I still use PowerPoint <laughs> to lay out my quilt patterns. Do you just, really? Yes, I do. <laughs> I like too cheap to pay for InDesign. So I uh, use PowerPoint and just everything just clicks. But obviously like I do all the illustrations on Illustrator beforehand and then export them as like PNGs and yeah. bam. <laughs> it works. <laughs> it works like all the time. I love it. So, okay. <laughs> The books have clearly been successful because the publishers have come back and said, let's do another, let's do another. Has it been lucrative for you? Is this a career that you're like, oh, I could, this is sustaining our whatever life, family? Um, It's definitely a nice additional revenue stream. And it's like more of a passive income because for the lifetime of the book, that's and obviously, if you got sales, then uh, you then get money into your bank account like every quarter. Um, so it's a really just slow return, but I can definitely see that um, you know it's something worthwhile long term. And I definitely you know have broke even on the cost. So yeah, it's it's been good. Yeah. And do you see yourself wanting to do more books in the future? Yeah, definitely. Even though like it is a lot of work <laughs> for sure, but it's it's so rewarding to see all that hard work that you've put into for at least 12 months, right? Um, and then to see something really like physical and then have the bragging rights and like even like what you said, like you saw my book in London, like the heck, like yeah. <laughs> it's pretty freaking cool. It really if is. If you think about it. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. And it's also like, again, like even though like you're not going to get like bad, like this – Am I allowed to am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like, you know, like when you first publish your book, like it's not like you're gonna get like a share of ton ton of money like right away. Mm-hmm. Um it again, like it's just one of those things that takes a, a while to return. But like in addition to having the book, like you have legitimacy and um brand recognition, which then leads to so many other opportunities, like 
teaching or maybe having brand partnerships with other people, which then pay you. And, you know, it, the list goes on. That's why it's just kind of one of those things that, yeah, like you have to spend so much time, so much effort at the beginning and it's like all for what, but like, it's more of a long-term game is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. I feel like to really, I, I, okay. I could be persuaded otherwise, but right now I feel pretty strongly about it to have long-term success in a business. You have to think long-term. Like a lot of times people are Mm -hmm. like, well, how can I have success immediately? But things like SEO for your website, it takes time. It's the slow Mm -hmm. burn. These things that take a little more time and the payoffs, maybe a little slower, longer down the road, I feel like will help with the long-term game, like you said. Yeah, for sure. Like even just building relationships with other businesses or even just talking to someone that is not within your industry or like is got like a couple of hundred followers, like you just never know what they can do or what roads it could lead you to. So um, yeah, just treat everyone kindly and be open to sharing, you know, what you have and, um, and, you know, it'll come to you as well. So yeah, absolutely. And what advice would you have for someone who is maybe thinking of starting a quilty or crafty career? Yeah. So what I've found uh, works for my business is consistency in relationships. Um, so being consistent, uh, consistently present and making and sharing or like consistently creating new relationships, like and cultivating them. So like in other words, like be like by always like creating and sharing, it leads to discovery and opportunities. And then that forges new business relationships for future ventures and brand building. So kind of like similar to um, my situation with like the book deal, like, I just continued sharing. I only had 5,000 followers and here I am, you know? Um, And from the very start, and again, like sort of like um, what I mentioned earlier, like from the very start, I believed engaging and networking with everyone, whether they are a big company, they're your competitor, they're your influencer within or outside your industry, or simply someone that is new to the craft. You know, you could really learn a thing or two and pave a way for future opportunities, collaborations, and develop professionally through these conversations. I know it's a lot of work involved, but like keeping that up, like, you know, it's a long-term game, uh, but the opportunities that come with it are so rewarding. Um, so yeah, like the, my, my whole thing is, I guess is just all about the long-term and just slow and steady, you know, wins the race. <laughs> it's true. So are you yeah. an extrovert? Because I can see a lot of people in the quilting community specifically who are like, Oh, you're put, how do you make these connections and you know, all yeah. that? Yeah. hundred percent extrovert. Like I am definitely an extroverted person, but I think because I, when I moved to the U S I've became even more extroverted because I wanted to make my own friends when I first moved. Like, not that like, I didn't like my, the friends that I met through my husband, but like, I just wanted some like form of separation and it's like that I could talk to him about that's like, you know, we, we don't hundred percent have something in common. Like he's not into quilting and crafting, like right. forget about it. <laughs> um, but I could tell him about it. Like even like the trip that I just came back, I was like, Oh my God, like 
we did all this stuff at Austin. It was so cool. Like all these new products, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, yeah, that's nice, babe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think I knew you were an extrovert at QuiltCon in 2020 in Austin. Seems like you go there a lot. You had like a mingle meet and greet or like happy hour or something at a hotel. Oh my God, yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm an introvert. I'll be honest. I was like, really? Yeah. So I didn't go. Yes. Oh my God. But oh my god, when you said 2020 Austin quote con, oh my god, that feels like a lifetime ago. It was. It was like a different world. Yeah. It was pre I think we did that because we were just launching the Quote Buzz podcast. And then mm. like yeah, we that was pre pre-launch. And then we're like, hey, let's let's get everyone together. And it was a lot of fun. I, I missed that a lot actually. Yeah. Well, you'll have to do it again. So uh, wherever, yeah. whatever. <laughs> wherever we're going. Yeah, exactly. And I have to really just say how much I want to emphasize, like you had a following of 5,000 and I I see sometimes where people are like, they'll use that as maybe an excuse a little bit of like, well, but I don't have anything to offer or they kind of hide mm-hmm. behind, but you're, it was a very much like, no, no, I, I will share. I'll do whatever I can with whatever I've got. And just kind of that proactive, I don't know, what do you call that? Yeah, it's just continuing to share, like making and sharing and offering something to the table that, you know, like it might be just offering like inspiration to someone or maybe a tip, like maybe a tip that's been out there like forever or being like gone viral and you're doing it again. Like, um, and, you know, it might even just be your personality that mm-hmm. people are attracted to. So um, I feel like it doesn't really matter about like the numbers, like numbers are just numbers. Um, I think, you know, I think like the whole thing about followers, I it's just kind of old, if that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. Like, we're not really going after that anymore. It's just really about engagement and even though like, you know, I've seen people or like, you know, even though you might have like hundreds and thousands of followers on your Instagram or your social media account, how engaged are those people are? And, you know, how much of that can like, is, can they return back to you? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, are they going to buy your pattern? Are they going to do X, Y, Z? Do do you know what I mean? Like, so it doesn't matter about the number. It's just a matter about the quality that you have. And I feel like... Quality, not quantity. Exactly. (laughs) I feel like too, it's building a sort of community. Like you've done that with the podcast. So anyone who has a community and it feels like a friendship and these are your people like that. It doesn't matter if you have a large audience or small audience, you've got your people, you know? That's right. Yeah. Like even with our podcast guests, like we, we even reach out to people that have like, I don't know, a thousand, thousand followers or less than 5,000. We we don't care. Like, you know, by the end of the day, we really just want to highlight what people do and the amazing work that they do and the different voice that they bring to the community as well, because the quilting community is so diverse And a lot of the times I think like they kind of, you know, some people, we just don't get to see that side. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. I love it. So for our listeners who want to find you, where is the good place? Um, So they can find me at the dot weekend quarter on uh, Instagram, Pinterest and Facebook. And uh, you can go to my website as well. It is the dash weekend quarter dot com. Awesome. And then your new book, it's called again. 
Yeah, it's a it's a long one. So I don't expect you to like remember. I, it took me a while to get used to it. I'm still trying to get used to it. It's called First Words with Cute Quilted Friends. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah. cute. I like it. Yeah. And it's like a cute little size and the illustrations are really cute. Um, and when you get to the dog, the dog picture, it's actually a picture of truffle. Yay. So, yeah. Okay. That's so fun. And that comes out September 22nd, you said? Yep, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And did we say who your publisher? Yeah, you did. A Penguin House. Uh, yeah. So it's actually um, Page and Tate Co. or Blue, Blue Star Press. Um, and then they're under Penguin Random House. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look for that book. And thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Wendy, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. It's such a pleasure to chat with you, as always. You're just so fun and real. And hearing about your success with publishing a book, it's just so cool to hear. And it gets my wheels turning and all of the things. I cannot wait to see this new book of yours that's more of like a children's hardcover. I can see myself gifting this to people down the road along with the gift of a quilt. So I cannot wait and congratulations. Thank you for you listeners for being here. I'll be back next Friday with a brand new episode. And until then, have a wonderful week. Mm -hmm.